Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we hear probably one of the most popular stories in all the Gospels. In fact, this story of the multiplication of the loaves is found in all four of the Gospels. Now, this is rarely found in which all four of the evangelists write about the same story. If you study the Gospels, sometimes the evangelists will omit or add certain stories. Say, for example, Matthew and Luke, you'll find the same story, but in Mark and John, they're omitted. Or just the opposite. In Mark and John, there's added a story, but in Matthew and Luke, it's omitted. But this story, the multiplication of the loaves, is found in all four of the Gospels. So we can only assume that this miracle was so spectacular, it struck all of the evangelists with a sense of awe they felt compelled to include this story in their gospel. More to it, this story has inspired artists and sculptors, painters to perform artworks about it. So we have to pay very careful attention to it. Now notice how it begins. It begins with the death of John the Baptist. It says, When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Well, Jesus finds out that his only cousin has been murdered. So he's deeply grieved by this. That's why he goes to a deserted place. Now, there's something frightening when you hear this. John's death has great overtones of the Old Testament. How often have we heard the Old Testament prophets, their lives threatened, some even killed, Jeremiah is thrown down a sister in a well and killed. Isaiah is literally cut in half. And so John, now the greatest of all the apostles, he's executed. What it says next in the gospel, the people followed Jesus and they followed him to a deserted place. Now the Greek word that is used here to describe the deserted place is eremos, which also describes wilderness. Now, where else do we see that word being used? We'll go back to the Old Testament, story of Exodus. That's where you see that word Eremos used to describe the Israelites wandering in the Eremos, the wilderness, the desert. See, here's the beauty that Matthew is trying to work. He immediately, he's calling to mind the story of Exodus. He wants to link the story of Exodus with this story of the multiplication of the loaves. What happens in the story of Exodus? Well, God liberates the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and then leads them into the desert where they wander in order to look for the promised land. Now, in the desert, there is no food and there's no water. And yet God, he feeds the people. He feeds the Israelites. He sustains them, keeps them alive so that they can reach their destination. Well, immediately we see in this story with Jesus, it's prophetic. 
God, again, through Jesus Christ, is going to feed people. He's going to sustain them, keep them alive. Now, the story continues. It says, the disciples approached and said, this is a deserted place. It is already late. Dismiss the crowds that they can go to villages and buy food for themselves. Now, what are the apostles really doing here? They want to dismiss the crowd. What does sin do? It's always of division. Sin is the movement to disperse, scatter. The Greek word to scatter is diabolain. That's where we get the word diabolos or devil from. The devil is the scatterer. You know, the work of evil is to scatter. That's what the devil does. When the apostles say for them to get something for themselves, what are they really saying? Every man for himself. That's the voice of sin. The voice of grace says, you know, we bear each other's burdens out of love. And so that's a good lesson for us all. You know, that phrase, every man should fend for himself. That's not the voice of grace. That's the voice of sin scattering. Notice what Jesus says to the apostles. It's very interesting. He says, there is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. See, that's the voice of compassion, the voice of grace. What is Jesus really doing here? He's gathering. He's constantly gathering throughout his entire ministry, constantly gathering people to him. But what are Jesus' apostles or disciples doing? They want to break up. They want to scatter. Now, pragmatically speaking, Jesus knows they're in the wilderness. They're in a deserted place. They're all alone and they're vulnerable, especially to the elements. But they're also vulnerable to wild animals, thieves and robbers. Jesus knows now more than ever, they've got to stick together. And yet by keeping them together, what is Jesus really doing? Well, he's bringing the church together. This is what we see here in this story. The church is a community of believers that come together, united in one faith. To do what? Bear each other's burdens and share each other's joys. You know, if there is a problem within our parish, or if there's something new our parish needs to develop, or a new ministry to serve the people, we should always say, well, what can we do? What can we do to help? Not, well, somebody else should do this. That's why Jesus says clearly, give some of the food of yourselves to them. That's exactly what he's getting at. You know, if we truly want change in our parishes, well, we've got to have that attitude. There's a problem, well, we've got to address it, rather than assign someone else to address it. Thomas Aquinas once said, God dispenses his providence through secondary causes. What did he mean by that? Well, God channels his grace to work in and through us. And if we participate in that grace, if we cooperate with it, then we're able to help others. And see, that's at the heart of stewardship. You know, the person that really has the heart of stewardship always asks the same question. What can I do to help? What can I do to help this parish or to help its people? See, when we ask that question, then we foster community. Then our parish is stronger. And so are we together. The person that has the attitude of, hey, let them fend for themselves. Well, that's the attitude of scattering, the attitude of dispersing, the attitude of sin. If someone has an attitude of, hey, I've got mine, you go get your own. 
Well, that's opposite of what Jesus is teaching here. In fact, that type of attitude causes fractures and splinters in our church. Next in the story, well, the apostles give Jesus everything that they have, some fish and a few loaves of bread. Jesus takes them, he blesses them, breaks them, and gives them to the apostles. Now, herein lies a great lesson for us all. Jesus, yes, he does multiply the loaves, such that what? He gives the crowd everything. He just doesn't give them a little bit, a little bit to get them by so that they can tend to themselves and go to the villages to buy food. No, he gives them enough that completely fills them, fills them so much that they can't eat anymore. More importantly, there's leftovers, 12 wicker baskets full. Whenever Jesus performs miracles, it's always over the top, more than we could possibly want or need. Well, when we cooperate with God's grace, it's always over the top, more than we can ever want or need, that Jesus gives us. And therein lies a great lesson for us all. When you give Christ what you have, like the apostles did, your will, your intellect, your heart, your mind, your soul, Jesus will take it, bless it, and then multiply it for his own purposes. See, this is what he wants to give us, his grace, and for us to cooperate with him. So give Jesus the very best that you have, your will, your intellect, your talent, your time, your treasure, your heart, and your mind. Jesus will take it, bless it, and multiply it. You'll be shocked at what God will do for you. Notice the detail also. Jesus gives the apostles the bread to distribute to the people. He doesn't give the people the bread directly from himself. This is the principle that I spoke about before. With God's grace, Jesus uses us to do his providential work. St. Therese of Lisieux once said, All the good that you will do in your life is not because of you, but you have allowed yourself to be used as an instrument of God's grace in this world. See, that's exactly what's happening here. You give God what you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, your intellect, your will, and God will multiply it for his own purpose and give it back to you so that you are able to help others. You know, you have a variety of different ministries at any of your parishes. Well, when you join those ministries to help people, you have no idea the effects that you can have on people's lives. Great example of this is our young teenagers. Every year they go on mission trips. This year they went to mission trips to Virginia and they helped people. They did a lot of different work. They painted houses in very hot weather. They cleaned houses that were in dire need of cleaning. They even crawled underneath patios in order to get rid of fiberglass foam or installation. These are hard jobs. And yet the kids didn't care. During their breaks and their lunch, they got to know the people that they were helping. They got to get to know them, share their faith. And in doing so, their faith was inspired and strengthened. When the kids came back home, they were on cloud nine. Their faith was ever more stronger because they knew that what they did is express and live out their faith. They knew they made a difference in somebody's lives, and they knew that person's life that they changed. Well, that's what the heart of stewardship is all about. When I asked those kids, you know, if they were going to go on mission trip again next year, without any hesitation, they all said absolutely yes. 
Well, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to teach us here. But take it a step even further. You know, in many ways, when we read this story, we enter this story. We, you could say, reenact it every time we come to Mass. Look at our offertory. What do we offer? Just like the apostles, little gifts, a few hosts, a little bit of wine and water. And what happens? At the time of the consecration, Jesus takes them, just like he did in the story, and he blesses them, and he multiplies them through the consecration and becomes the superabundant gift for us all, his body and blood. What happens next? Well, we distribute communion, don't we? Well, now Christ feeds us again. And just like the story, we have our fill. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. We are filled now with God's grace so that now we can go out into the world and be instruments of God's grace in this world to do good works. And yet it all starts right here at the Mass. As I mentioned before, this story is found in all four of the Gospels. So all four of the Gospel evangelists, they saw the importance of this story. I think what they saw was just how much this story mirrors or parallels our Mass. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week, can't afford not to, reread this story of the multiplication of the loaves. It's a story about who we are, how we practice stewardship, and what we do and experience every time we come from Mass. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.